the Spartan Mind Strength Podcast, the podcast for mental grit and resilience. Hosted by V. Binga and Tim Ganley. Hi, everyone. This is V. And this is Tim. Good morning. Uh, it's morning here up on the mountain. It's uh, episode four of our Spartan Mind Strength podcast. Welcome, everybody. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about Sanskrit. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. And that's what we're going to be talking about, <laughs> saying it right. Uh, we're also going to be going again into the morning routines, taking it a little bit further with uh, adding another letter or not. I'm not sure <laughs> Under yet. Under the we're, long acronym. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a full alphabet. And we're going to finish off with a little bit about the planets. A little bit more about the planets. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So, good morning, everyone. Uh, we're going to be talking mainly about Sanskrit this morning. And we're going to be talking a little bit, well, actually a lot, probably, because I'm going to end up uh, going on a few tangents. But anyways, we're going to be talking about why you want to pronounce them properly. If you're going to use Sanskrit, you should pronounce it properly. Because if you're not pronouncing it properly, you might not be doing it justice. Yep. Doing uh, the language justice or yourself, for that matter. So in our old studio, we actually didn't even speak Sanskrit. So when we gave the poses and things like that, we never even used the words. In fact, a lot of times we might not even have said namaste. Uh, our instructors had the could say it. They didn't have to. Either way, it was completely up to them. But depending on the group, we ended up sometimes not even using it. But... I want to get into, and actually we use Namaste Kala uh -huh. uh, <laughs> yes. a lot more now than we do just Namaste. So tell me, yes, what is your background first in Sanskrit? Why can you pronounce it properly? Uh, I was uh, forced and uh, I got to, so I, you can think I was either forced or got to, uh, have to learn Sanskrit in uh, my two different Ayurvedic colleges. Uh, I had to learn Sanskrit while I was at the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, my teacher was Nikolai Bachman. Hi, Nikolai. <laughs> and if I'm you want to learn Sanskrit, he is amazing. And we are going to put links uh, to his two uh, Sanskrit uh, workbooks and audiobooks at the bottom of the notes. And uh, then uh, at Mount Madonna Institute, I had to learn Sanskrit again. And my teacher was Manisha Kshirsagar, a wonderful, yes. wonderful teacher as well. So either one of those people are perfect if you want to actually go in-depth into Sanskrit. We're just going to talk a little bit about it, but those two are... Are the sources for uh, Sanskrit. Uh, Sanskrit is a very unique language in the sense that it is, it is perfected in terms of sound and syntax. And actually, Sanskrit in Sanskrit is pronounced Samskrita, which uh, also translates to perfect or perfected. 
This means that uh, the sounds of the language are extremely connected energetically to natural phenomena. In other words, to nature and us as human beings. There's actually a study out that, uh, or something out, I remember reading. Uh, NASA, NASA yeah. used, uh, used the Sanskrit grammar uh, as part of their artificial intelligence uh, development. Instead of developing a new language, they figured out Sanskrit had everything that an artificial intelligence uh, program needed. And if you asked your dad, it, Sanskrit came from Greece. So. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, having said that, uh, Sanskrit is an Indo-Aryan or Indo-European language, like Latin, like Greek, uh, like uh, Armenian, uh, like uh, uh, Germanic, a, a lot of those languages. That's why they have, you can find similarities in the roots of the words of these languages. And like a lot of people we've talked to, there was a lot of traveling back then. Yes, so there it was, was a it lot was of communication. More, almost probably more communication, proper communication, than we do on the web. Ex oh yes, oh yes, for sure. They had the means, they, they were able to communicate. They had the means. They were not primitive, uh, like we like to think. Uh, that they were makes us feel good ancient aliens <laughs> would say ancient astronaut theorists say yes <laughs> okay so sanskrit is a perfected language in terms of sound and it reflects it truly reflects the energies every language words have power mm -hmm. uh, and every language reflects the energies of the nature but Sanskrit does it to a higher extent. And if you're doing meditation, chanting, any of those things, you should, if you're going to be using Sanskrit, you should be... The pronunciation matters. Uh, the, and because Sanskrit is also very, because it is such a en highly energetic language, it is also very subtle. Uh, and uh, two, in, two things that reflect the subtlety. Every word has uh, multiple meanings depending on the context. It, is, it means multiple things. Uh, some people say it is like a mini dictionary. It doesn't mean just one thing. So Sanskrit is highly contextual language. And then the other point that reflects its subtlety is that it has a uh, there are two forms of vowels. There is short and there is long. And whether it is short, like a short A or a long A, it matters. It changes what the word is going to mean depending on the context. For example, mala. I love this one. <laughs> yes. Love this one. <laughs> I knew it. That's why I said it first. Uh, people talk about Malavids, Malavids, Malavids. They write Malavids, all that. They make them, they, <laughs> they sell them. They, they are good for you. Yeah. Uh, well, Mala with two short A's, like it would be in English, Mala means impurity, means 
dirty means poop. poop. <laughs> so ma when especially when you talk about mana beads, I think of little bats poop or squirrel poop. <laughs> That's they are tiny little uh -huh. pieces. They are adorable, but they are poop, and I wouldn't. Wear I wouldn't want to wear them and I wouldn't offer them to someone unless I charge a lot of money for the bad poop. Uh -huh. <laughs> but that's a different story. Uh, so mala with short A's, the first A and the second A, means impurity. So, uh, but mala is what they are actually making and selling. Two long A's, mala. So you would write it with the A and the bar on top. That's one of the, of the, of the mispronunciations um, we hear very often. Can we do another mispronunciation? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I'm smart enough to know that I am not good with languages. So I try not to bastardize languages by not even speaking them. I don't do well with English, so that's one of the reasons why I never used any other type of language when I was teaching classes. Mm -hmm. And even when I went to Greece, what was it, <laughs> the first or second time? Yes. Uh, an elderly lady told me, don't try to speak Greek. <laughs> so I stopped at that time, and I have not spoke since. Yeah, but it also could be because you don't have the best teacher for Greek. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Your other favorite. Yes, by far. <laughs> um, Can I say the word? Yes. Ananda. Ananda. Yes. Ananda. Long A, the first A being long. Ananda means bliss. Yay. And that's what everybody thinks they're saying. Exactly. And when I say everybody, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people. We for hear. The, yes, for the most part. So yes. you can send me nasty letters saying <laughs> that I say it properly and stuff. But yeah. Ananda is bliss. However, short Ananda means misery, means lack of bliss, lack of joy. The Cheerless. exact opposite. Cheerless. So when you're, especially if you're going to use Ananda as a mantra to invoke the energy of bliss, you want to at least make sure that you remember that the first A is long and it's Ananda. And you don't even have to pronounce it when you think it in your head, think the long A. Or just use the English word. So bliss. I, I always like to use for my doing my chants or my mantra uh -huh. instead of using Sanskrit, yes. which would be an Ananda Ananda or Sukha Sukha, Sukha Ananda, Ananda, Ananda Ananda. I would always follow <laughs> Ren and Stimpy as Happy Happy Joy Joy. Happy Happy Joy Joy. <laughs> You're way safer this way. At least Tim is w way safer this way. Uh, and I can always see them dancing <laughs> when they sang the song. So, so Ananda, Ananda is another major word that people use. Mispronou mispronounce without knowing it. Yes. And your pet peeve. Your <laughs> yes, pet peeve. Yes, yes. And we see this in 
yoga classes so much. Yes. And for it just, I'm going to be a yoga snob mm-hmm. for this one because it's so annoying that it's, well, let me go first. It's so great to see that yoga is literally exploding in the United States. Yes. It's being taught everywhere. Up here on the mountain, we not, we have literally three yoga instructors living up here. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they didn't go through our school. So they found us, mm-hmm. but they're living up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all over the place, which is awesome. But... If you take a course from a yoga teacher that certifies you as a yoga teacher and you start teaching vinyasa flow, <laughs> you, you are just saying right away that you, you don't care enough to at least look up, ask what vinyasa means. The word vinyasa means flow. So would you, unless you want to say that you're teaching a class that is flow, flow, you are not teaching a vinyasa flow class. You're either teaching a vinyasa class and you put flow in parentheses. Flow is the quick English translation of the term vinyasa. Or you're teaching a flow class and you put vinyasa in parentheses, that's the quick Sanskrit term. What does vinyasa actually mean? Can you break down the... Vinyasa means order. A flow as in something or a set of things is placed in an orderly manner. The one flows smoothly after the other. That's what vinyasa means. Uh, so a well-organized, a well-choreographed... A dance. A dance uh, is a vinyasa movement. Call it a vinyasa movement class or just call it a vinyasa class. But please, please, please do me a favor and do not call it a flow-flow class. It's a so disrespectful to the whole Hatha Yoga concept. And vinyasa is actually, it's a very newer style of yoga. Yes, it is a, it, uh, actually uh, Patabi Joyce with uh, the sun salutations is the main person introducing uh, vinyasa to the West. And he started teaching it mainly to who brought it here was uh no patabi patabi okay. joyce brought ah, it here yes. but yes krishnamacharya yep. that's so. what you're krishnamacharya is actually the person who initially formed vinyasa yep. type of movement and taught it to patabi joyce who then physically brought it to the west and patabi joyce actually just literally died yeah passed away a couple of years ago uh so vinyasa is very very new the style of the practice is extremely new so please again do me a favor and don't tell me that you are teaching traditional yoga (laughs) because it's not not. there is nothing traditional about it it's great yes it's a great yoga style in fact that's one of the styles we taught uh 
but it isn't yeah. it isn't traditional it, it yoga. isn't traditional yoga again and, do yoga justice so <laughs> i'm gonna jump off on a tangent here because we are bringing in patabi joyce and krishnamacharya mm-hmm. i've always said this and i would like you to because you explain it so much better everybody knows patabi joyce yes everybody knows iangar iangar trained with Krishnamacharya also. Exactly. And several of his other people are very well famous. However, there's one that's not as famous, and she's becoming more famous because uh, uh, there was a book just written about her last year, I think. So it's getting out a little bit more. Can you tell me who is... Indra Devi. And why is she the most important person that uh, at least I believe, and I think you believe also, why is she the most important person of all in yoga? Indra Devi is an Eastern European lady. She was uh, born in Latvia. And she actually passed away in the very early 2000s at an old age, uh, 100-some. And in great shape. And in great, great shape. And she's the reason that yoga is practiced by women today and also that yoga is is practiced in so many different places in the world if it weren't for her forcing krishnamacharya to allow her to uh, to learn yoga from him women wouldn't be practicing today and a lot smaller percentage of the world would know about yoga because she actually and when you say force she literally had him forced yes into because uh, she had clout she had connections at the around the mysore palace where krishnamacharya was employed at the oh. time at the mysore so he, was, palace. he was an employee of exactly the... of the prince yes and uh, because she had the right connections, extremely wealthy, upscale connections, those connections made Krishnamacharya say you will accept her as a student. And he tried to... Not, not Krishnamacharya saying you will accept no, her. No, no, but... made the connections tell Krishnamacharya you will accept her. Because he was saying no. He was saying no. no. And no, they no. forced and said... And you don't have him... a job. Exactly. You're either teaching her or you're fired exactly uh and uh krishnamacharya tried to make it very very difficult for her because he was going against his principles allowing women to actually practice yoga and even worse training women that was completely against his principles uh but in difficult times He started saying, in difficult times, the rules have to be bent. And that his son actually is quoted saying that. His son, T.K.V. Sikachar said. Who just uh, passed away also. Exactly. Another Another wonderful teacher. Uh, So in difficult times, rules have exceptions. Mm -hmm. And And she changed Krishnamacharya's mind so much about... The women that teaching. then he opened up and, and was teaching women left and right yep. and chanting and hatha yoga and all of those aspects of yoga. Yes. So Indra Devi did a tremendous amount of good 
to contemporary yoga. And what else? China? Uh, China, because again, she had connections. And uh, she, taught, she, like the, the... she taught the wife of uh, a minister. Yes. I am not positive if he was a prime minister or a minister. And uh, also in Russia. Yes, she, she made, she brought it over there. Exactly. And was able to bring it into Russia. In a non-religious and uh, uh, make it a non-religious practice. And they accepted it. Exactly. They accepted it. Yes. So. And she opened up. Yes, Is I was going to say, okay. and then she came to the United States. Yes, and she was so brilliant. She oh, knew, beyond brilliant. She knew where to go. Where where does every major fad, and I'm not saying fad in, oh, it's a fad, but where does every major change start from? California. Yes. She opened up the very first documented yoga studio in Hollywood yes. and taught stars. Yep. Now, a lot of people say she taught Marilyn Monroe, but there's no documentation that says she taught Marilyn, but she did teach a lot of the stars during that time. Yep. And if you Google her, you can see pictures, all of those even pictures, pictures of yes. all those great stars that were practicing with her. Yes. So Indra Devi, yes, Patavi Joyce, yes, Iyengar, yes, TKV, the Sikachar, but do not forget the most important person of contemporary yoga, a short Eastern European lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she moved down, opened up an ashram. In Argentina. And, yes. Yes, and she was an amazing performer. And she could she speak was multiple languages. And multiple languages, and uh, she had a diplomat status yep. in uh, Argentina. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll be coming back after this short break to discuss morning routines, a little bit more of those. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Do you like what you hear? The Spartan Mind Strength Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and all other popular podcast destinations. Please subscribe today and consider leaving us a rating and review. It helps us spread the word and help others find our content. Don't forget to leave a comment and any questions you may have. Tim and V would love to hear from you. We are back. We went went all over the place and went for a jog, everything. But uh, so we're talking now about the morning daily routine. Yes. And there's going to be more talk about morning daily routine because we both feel that this part of the day is extremely important. Sets the tone. And we, we also have daily routines that we try to do daily <laughs> try uh, to <laughs> yes but uh, we kick off the morning with specific things one of them is going to be a quote from einstein yes and it's a very important quote because it really shifts how you look at the world and how you can look at today Absolutely. and how you then can look at tomorrow and the next day and the next day so can you go into what and i know you're going to paraphrase and I know it's not going to be exact, but Einstein be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, he would forgive me. Go ahead. Uh, he said that the most important question 
you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly universe? And this is very, very interesting. Yes. Because you can give three different answers. And you can say, no, it's not. You can say, yes, it is. And you can say, who cares? I don't really know. It's neither friendly nor unfriendly. So you have the power. And that's what's important is that it gives you the power to decide what you want to do. So if you say, for example, you wake up in the morning and you say, is this a friendly universe or a friendly world? And you say, no, it's not then you are immediately setting your mind to everything that happens is not friendly. And you can very easily completely derail your day. Okay, I'm going to jump into a little bit Uh of stoicism. Uh Uh-huh. Where... uh, Marcus Aurelius. (laughs) Marcus Aurelius would start his morning meditation Mm -hmm. out by saying, I'm going to get screwed today. Yes. (laughs) But he always, at the end, said, we're all human. Exactly. So he still brought it around to that. Exactly. So that's more of the negative visualization aspect. So Einstein's first uh, is you say it's not and then it's not. Then you say, who cares? And then you're indifferent. It's almost as if you're not doing anything. You, You are just you are allowing other forces to take you wherever they go. You're basically saying, I don't have the power to do anything. I have no control over I my life. I have no control over my life. Exactly. And then you can say, yes, this is a friendly universe and it's giving me everything I need. This does not contradict what Marcus Aurelius says because Marcus Aurelius was saying, today I'm going to meet um, people who I'm, will steal from me, people who, people will, who will hurt me, people will that yes. will do all these nasty things to me. I'm prepared for that. Exactly. But each one of those people that do that is me. Yes, and it's me and is teaching me about myself and everything that happens is bringing out the best in me. So... He was almost, you can think of it as he was saying, this is a friendly universe, but it is challenging and I have lessons to learn. And in order for me to improve, I'm going to go through all sorts of hardships. Friendly does not mean easy. Friendly does not mean it makes you lazy. Friendly does not mean it creates... uh, victim, soft, weak people. Friendly means that which brings out the best in you. Which allows you you to be the best. (laughs) Which allows you to be the best for you and your community. Yes. That's why softness, weakness, laziness, lethargy, apathy have no place Hmm. in a friendly universe. And even Marcus Aurelius was also saying that because those people and the universe is all connected, he was also saying that we're all human. Yeah. So it's no different than 
those people that actually stole from him, yes. tried to take over his, his uh, own brother. Yeah. Yep. All those things that happened to him, yet they still are human, and he is human. So it's still all part of it, the same. It's part of the human experience. You got to experience the gods and the demons, and the demons are not necessarily bad. And that'll come and up that's in the Upanishads. Upanishads. I'm yes. digressing. Yes, but uh, he was also talking about one of his best friends who literally tried to steal his throne. Yeah. And he forgave him. He was able to turn that nastiness into a greatness he was able to forgive his friend to experience forgiveness yes you... however someone killed his friend shortly after but marcus aurelius forgave him yes yep so, so friendly and good for us and creative and motivating does not mean easy that's the that's the bottom line of this so every morning, <laughs> ask yourself, is this a friendly world? Is this a friendly universe? And decide what you want the answer to be, because you are in full control of your life, your day and your life. Excellent. We talked a little bit about the Stoicism, uh -huh. which, and I follow Stoicism a lot. It's extremely difficult to read and understand, but one of the books that uh, we actually met him... Yeah, Ryan Holiday. Yep, yeah, we met him at... Uh, In Austin, Voice and yes, Exit. Yes, 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 a couple years ago. If you get a chance to go to Voice and Exit, it's an extremely different, great uh, conference. It, it's a very unique, very eye-opening, yeah. making-you-wonder type of conference. We got to meet uh, the owner of... Uh, the former uh, owner yes, yes. of uh, CEO of Whole Foods, yep. uh, John Mackey. And he is great. He was hilarious. He sat next to us during some of the talks, and he's funny. Yeah, and brilliant and funny. Yes. Uh, his book is also great. Uh, and he was uh, the, what is it, the Conscious, conscious Capitalism. Yep. And he, was, uh, he even made a joke about, oh, yeah, at least you've read through at least two chapters of it. Uh -huh. To me, and he said he didn't know anybody that had finished. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Ryan Holiday wrote a book which it, is very simple to read, and it's called... It's a great book, The Obstacle is the Way. Yeah. It's a very short, great book, very easy to read. Yeah. And I actually grab it a lot of times and just open it up to a page and read a couple pages of it, and, yeah. and that m might be my morning meditation, just that. Yeah. So... Uh, if you want to look into, which you should, is Stoicism is a great thing, and it fits Upanishads. Yes, Stoicism and the Upanishads go hand in hand. So we'll do it just a little quick. What does Stoicism mean? Oh, sto Stoicism is, of course, a Greek word, and uh, <laughs> comes from the word Stoa, which means archway. Uh, because uh, when they in ancient Greece, when they first started discussing the concepts that we know as Stoicism today, they were doing it under archways. Uh, they had those discussions under archways. So Stoa eventually turned into Stoicism, the teachings of the archway. 
Very, Very poetic. Yes, yes. <laughs> so this is uh, the end of this part of the morning. Uh, of the morning uh, routine? Yeah, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> and the next is we'll be right back with the planets. Stay tuned. And we're back. So now we're going to talk about planets. And in the Vedic philosophy, there were nine planets, and they considered the moon one of the planets. Yes. So they also considered the two nodes planets also. Rahu and Ketu. Yep. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> so we're on, it's what, September 17th? Mm-hmm. And it's... We haven't kicked off our podcast yet, but we will be very soon. It's the 17th, and the moon right now is whining. It's waxing. Waxing? It's becoming full. So this is the time you start new projects. Exactly, yes. So yesterday, uh-huh. we met with... Uh, with the North Georgia Holistic Guild, Sean and Karen. And we started working on building that up. Yes. And this is the perfect time for that because not only does Ayurveda or Vedic philosophy say this is the time, also King Solomon, which we talked about last time, talks about this is the time to start getting things rolling. Exactly. And I believe we're kicking off the podcast in that period of time also uh well it's going when the podcast will be launched september 30th is going to be uh the waning uh phase of the moon Ooh. yeah but, but that's okay it doesn't it's you know projects take a certain time and you can only do so much so when we started actually putting everything for the podcast together was during the waxing time Uh, so it's okay it's okay it's okay yeah you can't you can't be so strict and you want to look at the (coughs) essence otherwise if you if you decide to be so strict during the waning phase of the you're on vacation you're just gonna see yeah (laughs) exactly because i was hoping that we could go on vacation and then we start (laughs) back up in 15 days (laughs) no no it's not like that it's not like that. So when we decided on the podcast and we started putting everything together was the waxing phase of the moon. Also, yesterday with uh, the North Georgia Holistic Guild, when we were putting the foundation together, it's the waxing. Uh, when everything, other things are going to happen, it can be during the waning phase of the moon. Yeah, yes. So it doesn't... You just want to start something it, during that time. That's right. And starting could be just writing it on a piece of writing, paper. Yes, making it official. The moment you put something on a piece of paper, the moment uh, you you say, okay, this is how it's going to be done, this is what I'm doing, then it's, it's solid. So there's a uh, concept in astrology mm-hmm. that says right when the thought starts is more oh wow okay yes oh yeah that's um that's called uh, a horary 
astrology. Uh, it is uh, spelled C-H-O-R-A-R-Y. I can't believe you went there. Horary astrology and um, it's the astrology of the time and place. Uh, and uh, in, in, uh, the, in the old, in the real astrology, uh, it was, it had, the real astrology had nothing to do with when you were born exactly and all this because pe people were not keeping track of those things. So those things were not documented. Uh, so the most common and effective form of astrology was the person would ask a question to the astrologer about who uh, who stole my cattle or uh, uh, where did I lose uh, this uh, piece of coin, things like that. Uh, it, and, the, and they say that the moment what was happening in the universe, the moment that the person was asking the question uh, or if he was face to face, it, the moment the person was asking the question or if it was not face to face, the, the moment the astrologer opened the letter and read the question, that was giving a lot of information on uh, w w the answer, on the, on the reality of the, fa of the fact. So if I'm getting this right your horoscope or whatever yes is more it's a study of time and place okay so you you're looking at those types of things so the the people that are doing like oh when were you born do you want to get into that that's it's fake a, that's what what is what is that uh to some extent it's um it's an abuse it's um it it's an it's a <laughs> You're gonna piss off some astrologers now. Ah, uh, it's not. It's not as essential as they make it be. Uh, the real astrology is about uh, facts and when things are happening. Uh, to go into uh, when you were born, and first of all, most people don't know the exact time they were born. I know I don't. And then also there is the dispute, is it when you were born or when you were conceived? Because if we believe in the whole uh, soul traveling from body to body, when were you really born? So a lot of that is being abused and exploited. And it's exploited usually in a way which I love. Uh, and I, I know one of the the people you study yeah. has brought this John out. John Frawley. Yep, and uh, he he basically says that in order to tie you or bring you to pay that person, yeah. because it's about taking your power away. Yes. Uh, yeah. You are what are the the terms that he uses that uh, and and we hear it constantly. I don't know how many astrologers yes. and all yeah. these different people use the same language to tell yeah. the person that. They need their help. You are a wonderful soul. Uh, you are very open-minded. You have several gifts, and you are misunderstood. And that's the normal. And, and that's the pattern. That's the pattern. And he says uh, <laughs> that if you hear that, run. 
Exactly. Because they don't know what they're talking because about. Because we are all wonderful souls, we all have our unique talents, and we are all misunderstood in certain circumstances. So this is book picture. That's how the, every human being feels. Every human being wants to be understood and therefore loved. And they, that's what the human experience is, that a lot of times we don't feel loved because we don't feel we communicate easily with others. Um, so yeah, so horary, horary astrology is the astrology the way it used to be. And that's what was based on statistics that that it's, we talked about last time so a lot of the people that are going out to get their birth read yeah birth it, chart it, and who all knows that. what it is exactly who know who knows what you're getting yeah who knows what you're getting so <laughs> it's a it's actually it's a psychology it's a psychology and psychiatry so you might as well go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist it's the same it's they they read you and they they give you the answers that you want to hear. And they, it's always going to be... It's not statistics. Be, yeah. It's always going to be the, basically the same thing. Yes. It, yes. The same thing. You, just for another name on top, it's almost like it's a... Uh, what are those letters called? Templates. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, they have your name on top. Yep. And they have your name on the bottom. Yep. And the in-between is the same for every person they meet. Yes. Yeah. So that was a little bit about astrology. Uh, we will constantly bring up astrology because we do practice some of it. Uh, we follow it to see how we start our certain projects and things yes. like that. So we'll be bringing that up in the future. But uh, that's basically it for the day. Uh, next time we talk, we might be on a plane. We uh, might yeah. be on a train. <laughs> we might be in an automobile. But we're getting ready to head to Greece. So when we start our next conversation, it might be on the way to Greece. It might be in Greece. <laughs> or it actually might be on the road heading to Florida. So can't wait. Thank you all so much for being here. Much, much love from both of us. Namaste kala. Namaste kala. Which is Greek for may we all be well. If you found today's show helpful, please give us a rating, a review, or both, and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. As always, namaste kala, which in Greek means, may we all be well. This program, Copyright True Fitness Incorporated, all rights reserved.